to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, Acts 26, are you there? Look at verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, this is Paul or Saul, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But arise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, this is a very important scripture basically because it's not only for Paul or Saul, it's for each and every one of us. This is basically what God wants to do in each and every life here, basically. He wants to, first of all, deliver you from the Gentiles. The Bible says He wants to deliver you from this present evil world. Say this present evil world. Now notice, that's not talking about the earth, it's talking about the world system and the way they do things and the way they believe things and the way they try to get wealthy by walking on someone else, the way they try to do things by stepping on others to get a promotion, stealing in order to get things. He wants to change the way that we think, basically, into a kingdom mindset because the kingdom is total opposite of what you see. Here he says he wants to take you and open your eyes from darkness. Say darkness. darkness. Now what is darkness? Ignorance. Thank you, Bible school students. Ignorance. <laughs> Say ignorance. ignorance. Notice, darkness is ignorance. Here's what you've got to know. The Bible says, He has rescued you out of the kingdom of and translated you into the kingdom of His own Son in whom you have forgiveness of sins and redemption. Now notice, the only thing holding you back in your life is not the devil. He's been defeated. It's simply ignorance. Not an understanding of what God wants to do in and through you and who God has made you according to the Word of God, which is light, which is revelation, which brings you out of ignorance. Now, when I first got saved and I started studying the Word and I came to the Scripture, I figured if my biggest problem was not the devil, people say the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Matter of fact, you can make the devil do a few things. Just a thought. Come on, we're Christians going around, the devil made me do it. Devil's going around saying a Christian made me do it. <laughs> so notice your biggest problem and my biggest problem was ignorance, not understanding what was going on. Now, the only thing that I have to combat that ignorance is something that will bring me light to remove the darkness. And that thing, according to the Word, is the Word of God, which this Word enters and it brings light into you. And here's where Christians have a problem because they get born again and they spend no time in the light, so they remain in darkness and want to blame God for the darkness when He's already took care of their darkness by delivering them and giving them the light. Amen. Yes. Well, I've been a Christian 20 years and God works sometimes, sometimes He don't, blah, 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 but no. Do you know what He said? No, I have no idea what He said. 
Well, then how do you know what his will is? Well, you never know. You never know. Ever heard that? You never know what God's will is. Yes, you do. He wrote it down. This is the will and testament of God. So the more revelation that I get, the more light that I get, not only the more light and more freer do I get from darkness, but now I have light to give someone else who's in the darkness. Come on now. That's what our ministry is, to give light into the darkness. So here it is. We're changing our minds. But notice, with that change, darkness to light, takes you from the power of Satan into the power of God. I mean, you know, those, there's two powers in the world today. There's only two. There's not a middle ground. There's not a Saint God. There's not a God Satan. It's either Satan or it's God. Are you following me? That's it. It's one or the other. You're either under the influence of, and I'm not saying demon-possessed. I'm just saying under the influence of. In other words, the devil's talking to you. You're believing him. You're doing it. You're getting all messed up. And then once again, we want to blame God. Well, that's not it. There's two influences. You're either under the Spirit of God and the power of God and what you're doing in your daily life, not just in church on Sunday. Every decision you make, everything you do, every time you respond, every time you do something, you're being influenced by something out there. And I mean, it, it's obvious that somebody yells and screams at you and you yell and scream at them back, it's not God. See? But now in the world, that's what we're taught. Somebody screams at me, I'm going to out-scream them. And I'm going to win this screaming victory right now, praise God. But as you study the Word, it says a soft answer. And how many of you, the first time that happened, felt like giving a soft answer? Could I see your hands? No, because we were raised in a world where, bless God, if they yelled, you yelled more, they hit you once, you kicked them twice. If they, That was the way you got ahead in the world. But that's not the way God does it. So the more you get, I mean, the greatest thing I ever found out was God spoke to me one time, you never have to worry again. I couldn't even believe he said that. What do you mean I don't have to worry again? Everybody worries. Everybody's got to be afraid of something. Everybody's got to worry. But as I started studying the Word, you know, cast all your cares upon me. Well, I didn't like that one. See, be anxious for nothing. But I found in my own life that I don't have to worry anymore. And it's funny because even I started feeling better emotionally and physically when I wasn't worrying all the time. I mean, God didn't reach down and touch me and knock me to the floor for 45 minutes. I simply said, I'm not, my days of worry and sickness are over forever. I started making that confession. That's my confession. That's it. They're over forever. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to put up with sickness anymore. I'm not going to put up with fear anymore. And by doing that, I went from darkness into the light, and then I could relate to other people at the same time. So notice, there's a power of Satan, and there's a power of God. Now, the power of God that we demonstrated last weekend that's on the inside of you, say, I have the power of God on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost, Christ, the power of God. That power functions in the light. It does not function in the darkness. So if you're running around in worry, if you're running around in fear, if you're running around in strife, it short circuits the power of God on the inside of you, and it will not be released out of the inside of you. I mean, you know, it comes from the inside out. I mean, when we laid hands last week, it came from the inside out of me. It did not come from heaven on you. It came through me because the kingdom of heaven is on the inside of me. And the same thing is available for you. You don't have Holy Ghost B and I've got Holy Ghost A you got the same Holy Ghost that I've got, that everybody's got, that's living on the inside of you. And there's power on the inside, but that power does not flow in strife. It doesn't flow in worry. It doesn't flow in... That short circuits it, basically, and keeps it on the inside of you. So the more that we learn and the more that we do, basically, and find out what God wants us to do and His will for us, it turns light on on the inside of us. And basically, we just start lining up with God, what God tells us to do. How I many you know just reading the Word's not enough? Right. Quoting the Word's not enough. 
pointing to the word in your Bible all colored and underlined with 42 stars by it's not enough. You have to do what the Bible tells you to do in order to get a revelation of what God has already told you to do. All right, go to John chapter 1. All right, John chapter 1, look at verse 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the what? How many know that Jesus was the Lamb of God that did what? Is he still taking away the sins of the world today? Is he still the Lamb of God that went to the cross and salvation is available for everybody in the entire world today? Good. Look at verse 33. He said, I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining upon, the same as he which shall baptize you with who? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. So this is, this is Jesus' ministry right here. He came, number one, to forgive your sins so that you could become righteous. Then he came to baptize you in someone by the name of the Holy Ghost. These were the two things that he came to do. This is his ministry. Not just forgive you of sins, but then give you someone called the now, the church wants to stop at forgiveness of sins, doesn't it? They don't want to tell you you got a Holy Ghost on the inside of you. They don't want to tell you you got power on the inside of you. They don't want to tell you you got victory over the devil if you just use the power on the inside of you. And let me tell you, is it salvation available to everyone in the world right now? And that's because the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world came, right? Is the Holy Ghost available to everybody who did part one? So we don't have to really beg God for it, do we? We don't have to get on our knees and cry out for it, do we? Because it's available to each and every one of us. The Holy Ghost is available and all that he dwells on the inside of us. So what would keep me from getting saved? I mean, Jesus came, suffered and died on the cross, did everything that I needed to do to get born again. Why am I going to go to hell rather than get born again? Ignorance. I didn't know he came for me. I knew he came for Sister Susie and Aunt Jody and everybody else, but he didn't come for me. But when you find out he came for you and it was real, then you could just go ahead and receive what was already done. Same way with the Holy Ghost. And you want to go further? Same way with healing. Yes. Yes. See, healing's already provided. God don't have to heal you. He already healed you. He already bought and paid for your healing. So you've got to receive what he's given you. So the Holy Ghost, you just got to understand that, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I got born again. And the Bible says when I got born again, the Holy Spirit came and lived on the inside of me and Christ came on the inside of me. The power of God's on the inside of me and I've got the power. Well, how do you know you got the power? <laughs> Did you have a goose bump yesterday? No, I didn't. But it said in the Word that the Holy Ghost is on the inside of me, and He never leaveth me nor forsaketh me at all times. So I'm just going to believe that, even though I don't feel that, even though it don't look like that. Same way with salvation. And when you got saved, people said, go around and tell everybody you're saved now. What did they want you to do? Solidify that, didn't they? they wanted, and it was hard, wasn't it? I mean, you get born again, you say, okay, I'm going to tell somebody, and you're looking, seeing who ain't going to slap you, or who's going to get upset with you, and pretty soon you say, I'm, I'm saved. But how many know after a few times your dad said, bless God, I'm born again, hallelujah. How you doing, brother? I'm born again, Holy Ghost filled, glory to God. And it's the same way with the Holy Ghost. We tend to brag more on the devil. Come on, then we do the Holy Ghost. Well, here's what he's doing. This is what the devil's doing to my, this is what the devil's done to me. This, this is what he tried to do to me. This is what he tried. Well, what about the Holy Ghost on the inside of you? Why don't you brag on him a little bit? I've got the power of Almighty God on the inside of me, praise God. I shun worry. I get rid of fear. Sickness and disease tries to come on my life. I've got authority in the name of Jesus, and I run that thing out of my life. What are you doing? And you're going to lose some friends. That's all right. But what are you doing? You're, you're getting on the right side of what's important. The devil's not important to God. The Holy Ghost. 
come on, is important in your life. So I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. So not only did he give us salvation, it's already given, healing's already given, but the Holy Ghost and the power from the Holy Ghost has already been given to each and every person in this place. Now, you may not have known that. You may have went to a church that never told you that. So how are you going to find out that? You weren't, were you? Remember when Paul in Acts, a different chapter here, came up and asked a bunch of Christians, have you ever heard of the Holy Ghost? And they said, we'd never heard there be a Holy Ghost. Well, how many know they certainly weren't operating in him? They weren't cooperating with him. They weren't trusting him. They didn't even know he was there. So Paul says, I'll show you there's a Holy Ghost, praise God. So he started laying hands on people, and the Spirit of God filled them on the inside. And it's the same way with us. You've got to understand what God has given you, then put some faith in what he's given you. And the main thing that he came here to do is make you righteous so he could fill you with by somebody named the Holy Ghost. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. So Jesus suffered, died, was raised from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, he came back and he started teaching the disciples to do, do and teach what he told them to do. He started preaching about the kingdom of God. He's all excited, giving them new information. And on verse 5, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says, John truly baptized with what? But you shall be baptized with the what? Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So here's Jesus teaching. He's teaching the disciples. He's raised from the dead. Everything's available to them now. He's getting all excited about it. And he says, basically, John baptized you with water. Now, we know the water baptism was for what? Repentance, wasn't it? To get rid of your sins. How many know that Jesus came to take away the sins of the world? So baptism was a sign of them being receiving Jesus and coming into a place where their sins were taken from them. But notice what he compares it to. He says, just like John baptized you with water, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, why does Jesus do these things? To help us understand because we're ignorant in areas. Now, how many of you have ever been to a baptism? We just did one a couple months ago. How many of you know the people that got baptized came out of the water and when they did, they were wet? Did you ever see one get baptized and come out dry? No, they were wet, weren't they? Because they got submerged baptized, came out, and they were wet. Well, now he says, in that same way, you, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, are going to be submerged in someone by the name of the... And how many know you're going to come out wet? Notice the anointing. If you look up the word anointing, it's to rub you and to smear you all over. So when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, your spirit, man, who you are, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, basically was rubbed and smeared all over with someone by the name of the Holy Ghost. Now, if, if I got baptized and I came out of the water and I saw my wife and I ran up and hugged her, how many know she'd get wet? Amen. I mean, if I stood a couple feet from her and went, how many know she'd get wet? How many know if she was sitting in the chair and I did a cannonball and she was sitting too close, she would get what? Well, it's the same way in the spirit. When you're baptized in the Spirit and that Spirit's moving in you and on you and flowing out of you, when you touch other people, they get... Come on, are you following me? Some people walk up and you just walk over to them and they fall down. Why? Something splashed. What happened? They got too close. They got too close to the Holy Ghost cannonball, praise God, and they got splashed. See, it's just, we, we believe it in the natural, but we don't believe it in the spirit realm. But that's all it is. It's the Holy Ghost. And then another thing, like Mark was catching last week, if you're catching people who get wet and you're catching them all the time, sooner or later you're going to get wet. Haven't been touched, haven't anything, but after catching about 10 people all at once, you wet. And if you're not careful when you're ministering, they're going to leave with you with no catcher behind the catcher. 
Have you followed me? And at that time, you either sit them down or take them out. That's all it is. You take them out, you bring somebody up, and it's not wet yet. And you do it. So in your own life, you've got to understand, when you hug somebody, it's not just a hug. You hug somebody who's depressed, down and out, whatever, and you just give them a hug. I mean, something will leave their life, and they, they'll say, what the heck happened there? Why? Because there's stuff on you and in you by the name of the Holy Ghost that's there, and it's compared to water here. It's the same way. When you're full of the Holy Ghost and you touch somebody's hand or you get close to somebody, walk into a room, things can change, hallelujah, because it's spiritual. Say it's spiritual. spiritual. All right, now what's so important about the Holy Ghost? Look at verse 8. Jesus says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So here's Jesus saying, you can be baptized with water, you're going to get wet, remission of sins, or you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive. Now, when does the power come upon you? When? When does it come upon you? When does the power come upon you? When the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Say, the power comes upon me. When the Holy Ghost came upon me. And how many of the Holy Ghost came upon and lives on the inside here? All right, so then that tells me that you have power. It's already in you. It's not when you get a goosebump. It's not that one time you got knocked down in the spirit. It's not the one time you felt God. The spirit of God is on the inside of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're believing in that power that's on the inside of you, and that person on the inside of you will operate through you as long as you're in agreement. Say agreement. agreement. So you've got to be in agreement. God never speaks to me. He speaks to Pastor Tom, but he never talks to me. I listen and I listen and I listen. He just never talks to me. Chances are he won't. See, everything operates in agreement in the kingdom of God. None of it does it from fighting for God and arguing with God and, well, the Holy Ghost left me. I sinned yesterday. He's gone. I don't know where he's at. Went to Stuart someplace. Don't know. No, the Bible says he'll never leave you nor... So are you going to get in agreement with the Word? Are you going to go by your feelings? Are you going to go by your emotions? Are you going to go by what it says? But notice when the Holy Ghost comes, comes upon me, I received power. So I know from that day on, I've got power. Yes. Well, you don't look any different. I didn't say I would look different. It said I'd have power. Right. Well, I don't see a goosebump. It doesn't say when the Holy Ghost comes upon me, I would have a goosebump. It says I would have power. So I'm just going to believe in the power that's on me. Now, how many know that will help you when you lay hands on people if you actually think that you have something? See, remember the disciples in Acts chapter 3, fairly new to this whole thing. Peter and John on their way said, silver and gold have I none, but such as God has. No, such as I have, I'm going to give it to And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you rise up and walk. They pulled them off. No, they weren't calling God down. They weren't begging God to do something. They weren't telling him to release the Holy Spirit. They knew that they had something that we've lost. We've lost the revelation of that. We don't understand what we have on the inside of us. We don't understand how it operates. We don't understand what the Holy Ghost wants to do. But the more an agreement you get with the power in you, the spirit in you, even the spiritual gifts do not operate when you deny them. They operate them when either you, you can have a dream you're going to get them, you can believe you're getting them, or sometimes you're sitting out there and it goes, gosh, what's that? I just had a heart test. What is it? It's the Spirit of God trying to get you to step out in the anointing. In other words, the anointing's banging on your, let me out. Let me out. And you're saying, I ain't going to do that because if I say something and it's not right, everybody's going to know that I said something wrong and then they're going to get mad at me and they're not going to talk to me anymore because I'm going to kick me out of this church and I'll end up back in that other church where I was at before. I just, I just don't want to do that. It's just it. 
And the more you say it, you get, e, 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 that's right, e, 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 you're right, you'll screw it up, e, 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 yep, they'll hate you after this, e, e, e. but you got to understand, once you start flowing with the Holy Ghost, you'll start trusting yeah. the Holy Ghost, see, you'll start to understand, you'll step out, you'll lay hands, and basically, even when people come up, you've got to be careful not to get in the, in the visual part of it, in the natural part of it, you're laying hands on people to inject something in their life, I'm not laying hands trying to knock you down. You see, that, that's not my purpose. If I'm going to knock you down, I'll just knock you down. How I many know the Holy Ghost doesn't have to come upon me to do that? You're standing there like this. My gosh, if I can't knock you down when you're like that, I'm in bad shape. But no, that's not what it is, praise God. You're injecting something into their spirit. You're igniting their spirit. You're doing whatever you want to do. And last week, basically, we were charging you or reviving you or getting you excited about the things of God, spirit to spirit, by the power of God on the inside. So you could stand there like this if you want to. I still believe you got to. You could fall down. You could laugh. You could do whatever. That's not up to me, you see. But, but if you're new in this, then you'll start to, well, I laid hands on four people, and nobody went down, and everybody's looking. So let me see about this next one. In Jesus' name, I'll tell you right now, you... There they went. Yeah, you pushed them so hard, they couldn't even stand up, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll go... <laughs> but see, that's not what it's about. It's about trusting the Spirit of God to inject what you're believing. And I'll tell you, when there's anointing like there was here last week, you don't understand it's not just to feel good, which is good. How many know that? It's not even just to laugh. It's to get over to you whatever you need in your life at that time. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. If you need healing and you come up and praise God, there's they're power of God's working, then you come up and get healing, praise God. See, as soon as that power of God hits me, I'm healed from the top of my head. I've been depressed. So I'm going to get the joy, praise God. I'm gonna, what am I doing? I'm coming up to receive. God wants to give things to you. He's trying to get the entire kingdom of God over to us. But we're the ones that won't receive it because we're all, you know, that song we sang first this morning about he's, he's trying to get us to receive all the things that he gave us. So the power of God basically is upon us. It's given to us when the Holy Ghost came upon us. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. You'll know when a revelation is starting to get through to you when you get excited about what you hear in the word. In other words, we're breaking ground and you know we, we try to break through the cement and break through the old teaching and all that kind of stuff. And it's hard at first because you can tell them, hey, you got the Holy Ghost, my God, you got authority, you got power, you can walk in divine health, you can walk in all this stuff. And everybody's going, amen, amen, amen. And then you can say, hey, I just checked and your lottery ticket just won a million dollars. And you'd be on the phone. Guess what? Guess what? You got the Holy Ghost. You ain't telling nobody. Pastor preached on the Holy Ghost two weeks ago. It was a good sermon, but it really didn't do much for me. I bet it didn't. Come on. You can preach on salvation every day, but if somebody don't come up and receive Jesus, they ain't going to do them any good anyway. And they just did their weekly duty of coming to church, punching the time clock, leaving on time, getting out of here, doing a little worship, and that's it. But when it starts to become a revelation to you, you'll start reading scriptures that just jump off that page and hit you square in the forehead. I mean, when I receive, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Something happens in here. Not here, but in here. Why? Because there's a connection being made. It's like spiritual food. It's like somebody just laid out a T-bone with some good fries, praise God, and, and I ate that thing, and it's hitting me, and it's, see? For years, it was just broccoli. 
And I didn't care whether I got it or not. But now it became a T-bone, seeing these things you're understanding. When you study the authority and get a deeper revelation, whenever you find people where Jesus is casting out devils, you say, bless God, that's me, glory to God. I got authority. But until that time, you got some chipping to do. That's why a lot of the sermons we do here would behoove you to take the scriptures into your prayer time the next week and build them in 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 and build them in. Irritate your children with them. Come on. They don't get out of bed for school in the morning. You just walk in. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Praise God. We got power. Glory to God. The Holy Ghost lives. Dad lives on the inside of us. Praise God. We're casting out devils. We're walking. Dad, you going to get up or not? Yeah, they're going to get up. Isn't that better than saying, get out of bed. This is the last time. Bring the word out on them. Praise God. Hit them with the word of God. Glory to God. See? It'll stick in there. They'll remember those things. It'll get to them. But use the Word of God. Most of the time, I'm using the Word of God to convince myself. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, How God anointed, rubbed, and smeared Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, here's the anointing of God. It explains it, don't it? When you say, I'm anointed, people say, oh, What do you mean anointed? And you will say, Well, I'm anointed. But what does anointed mean? I'm anointed, according to the Bible. Yeah, but here it tells you, You're anointed with the Holy Ghost and with, that means you are rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and with power. That's the anointing on you. And, you know, back when I was a kid, they probably don't do it anymore. Every time I got sniffles or something, I'd go to bed and mom get that blue jar out. Vicks Vapor Rub. She'd take a glob. I mean, not just a little bit. She'd take a glob of that stuff, man. I'm telling you what. And here it came. And my eyes had water. My nose would do this. Why would she do? She's trying to anoint me for healing because that's what they used back then to do that. Well, it's the same way in, in the spirit realm. You've been anointed and rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and with power on your spirit man, the real you on the inside of you. That's the way he looks. If you could get a vision of what he looks like, I mean, he is so shiny. And how many know oil's hard to get off? That Vic stayed on there. Even after you took it off, it was like in your skin. It wouldn't come out at all, praise God. You smelled it for days, even though you showered four times. <laughs> well, it's the same way with the Spirit of God. He's on the inside of you, praise God, and He's there. So notice, anointed, rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and with what? Now notice, He went about doing good, healing all that were... Why did He do that? For God was... Now, how was God with him? God was with him simply because he had an anointing. So it was Jesus doing it with the anointing. Jesus doing it with the anointing God gave him. Some people say, I can't do anything. God can do everything. Well, then why did God give you the Holy Ghost? Why would he give you power if he was going to do it? But he didn't. He gave mankind. That's mankind. That's what we were created to do. We were created to rule and reign here on the earth. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. We are here to run things, praise God. We're here to obey what he tells us to do and then we'll do it. And he gave us the power and ability to do it. And it's already on the inside of us. But by our faith and what's on the inside of us, we can do that. You can heal the sick. You can cast out devils. You can do all these things, praise God. But you're going to have to start somewhere. See? Lay your hand on somebody. Pray for them. Just do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the Spirit of God will teach you as you go how to do it. So notice, here was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. Say good. good. And healing how many? All. Notice, he healed all. He didn't heal some. He didn't decide whether God wanted this one sick or this one healed. He healed every single one because he knew God's will. And God's will is that everybody be healed. Now, let's go a little further. What was the problem with these people? They were oppressed by the devil. 
And that helps me a lot because I see every sickness now as not the flu, not COVID, not a rash. I see it as demonic oppression. It's a lot easier to speak to a devil than it is a rash. Come on. You just don't feel like talking to a rash. But you feel like talking to the devil. And if the devil's the one responsible for the rash, then I'm going to talk to the devil. And when the devil goes, he'll take the rash with him. See? He healed all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, notice, we found out that, that Jesus was basically baptized with the Holy Ghost when he, around when he was 30 years old. Spirit of God came upon him, and he was empowered at that time. Now, notice, how many know that there were sick people at the age of 28? There were sick people when Jesus was 25. Sick people when Jesus was 20. But nobody was getting healed at that time. Isn't God sovereign? Didn't God want people healed? Then why wasn't he healing people? Because the only way he could do it is by a man anointed by the Holy Ghost with the Spirit of God. And when Jesus got anointed at the age of 30, he started going around healing all that were oppressed by the devil because even Jesus couldn't heal anybody until he was anointed with the Spirit of God to do it. Come on now. Sure, he couldn't do it back then. But boy, once the Spirit of the Lord came on him at 30 and he got filled with the Holy Ghost, look out, praise God. One, one Bible says that was the start of the decline of satanic rule. God, I like that. Jesus. Yeah, what happened? All at once, Satan wasn't having so much fun anymore. All at once, there's a man walking around who had breaking out everything that he did up to that point. So here it says, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. Paul's come here, he's to move light out of light into darkness. He's here in here to make a switch. He's in here to change the way they think. He's in here to change them. So here's Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 25. Paul once again says, I am a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made known manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now we see Paul fulfilling the ministry that Jesus gave him way back in Acts. What's he doing? He's giving the mystery over to people so that they understand what the mystery is. I hear a lot of people talking about the mystery. What is the mystery? Uh, when's it going to manifest? What's going on in the mystery? But Paul already said the mystery. I'm praying to know what the mystery is. Read Colossians. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now notice, it's not Jesus in you. Why? Because Jesus was the man. The only thing that made him powerful was the Christ. See, that's not Jesus' last name. Jesus the anointed. Jesus the rubbed. Jesus the smeared with the power of God on the inside of him. People say, well, I got Jesus in my heart. Well, you need more than that. Come on, you need Christ in your heart. You need to know the power of God that's in your heart, the glory of God that's in your heart. Here it says that he was revealing that to people, basically, what the mystery was. The mystery was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say Christ. Christ. In, me, in me, the hope of glory. And you go through the Old Testament prophets, and they all prophesied this. I mean, Joel said the Holy Ghost is going to come, and he's going to come upon all flesh. Isaiah said in that day, basically, that the anointing is going to come and start breaking the yoke. Haggai said the glory is going to fill the church someday. Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father. He will send the Holy Ghost to people. What were they doing? They weren't prophesied. Paul wasn't prophesied Christ's coming. 
Paul was prophesying Christ is here and available to anybody that wants him. It was the mystery. He wants to make the mystery known to the Gentiles, but in order to do that, first of all, he's going to have to make it known to the church who's going to teach the Gentiles what the mystery is. I mean, if the church don't even know the mystery, how are the Gentiles going to figure it out? So what's he doing? In this day and age, he's revealing Christ on the inside of people. Not, not only in word, not only in teaching, but in power and demonstrations and different things and healings and all this stuff. Why? Because he wants it to spread. How many know peace is contagious? Peace is wanted by everybody. Victory is wanted by everybody. And notice he was not preaching Christ in heaven. He didn't preach Christ coming back again. He didn't preach Christ on a white horse. He was preaching Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 23. It says, But we preach who? Christ crucified unto the Jews and a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them that are called. See, I'm called. called. Notice, whether you're Jew or Greek, Christ is the... And it is the... So if Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God and Christ is in me, which is the mystery, then the power of God is in me and the wisdom of God is already on the inside of me. It's already in there. And the more you claim to have the wisdom of God, the more you'll use the wisdom of God, which is beyond your understanding. Even when you use it, you'll wonder where it came from. You'll have the answer to somebody, and you'll give it to them, and you'll walk away and say, man, that was good, and I didn't even know I knew that. Why is it? Because you didn't know it till that time. And the reason why you didn't know it till that time is because you didn't need to know it till that time, and when you needed it for that time, then God gave it to you because someone else needed it for that time, praise God. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ is on the inside of you, the power of God's on the inside of you, the victory of God is on the inside of you. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, notice verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is what? Now, that's not what I was taught even after I got born again. I was taught the preaching of the cross was there to save the sinner. But this says the preaching of the cross is to them that need saved foolishness, but to us who are saved, it is what? Power of God. Why is that? Because a whole church shifted over into a place where they preached the cross to get people saved just to go to heaven. So they preached the cross, they got saved, that's it. That's the end of the preaching of the cross. But the preaching of the cross is for people who are already saved. Because at the cross, you got more than heaven. At the cross, the devil was defeated. At the cross, you were made righteous. At the cross, you could be filled with the Holy Ghost. At the cross, you were given authority once again. At the cross, all these things. So in my life, I want to look at everything from the cross. I want to see myself far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. I want to see myself with greater power than any sickness, any disease, any devil. That's the preaching of the cross. But since we ended it with just going to heaven, you preach the cross and nobody ever preaches the cross again. But so much more was done at the cross. On the sickness, he bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. And with his stripes, you are healed. Lord, heal me. I did at the cross. Lord, give me authority. I did at the cross. 
earthly, but we want to stop there. But there's so much more before you go to heaven that you need to take advantage of down here, praise God. So when I know the mystery, I know Christ is in me. The power of God is in me. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God now is on the inside of me. Actually, the divine nature is on the inside of me. And the more I become convinced of that, I'll start operating in those things in my life when I find out everything that the cross has provided. I want everything that Jesus went to the cross for. I mean, you read about him going to the cross. That couldn't have been a whole lot of fun, praise God. And if I had to do it for you, I'm not so sure I'd have did it. Come on now. We talk big. Oh, you ought to do that for my neighbor. Let's see. You can't even pick up the stuff out of their yard, praise God, much less do anything else. Come on now. We think we can do it, but I'll tell you what. He laid down his life. And what happened to that cross? Victory came. The opening came for, for Christ. Just go, go up to chapter 2 for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 6. Paul says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, thank God, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Even the hidden wisdom which was ordained before the world unto our glory. In other words, God had this planned out a long time ago that Jesus was going to come, give you an opportunity to step in the kingdom, have the power, have the glory, have the victory, have the authority. And notice what he says, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified who? The Lord. So here you got the devil all at once, Jesus, the Holy Ghost comes on him, and he starts healing everybody and delivering everybody, and the devil panics and has a meeting with his top demons, and they say, what are we going to do? Well, we know what we need to do? We need to kill him. Kill him and get him off this earth. If we just kill him and get him off this earth. But the problem was the Bible says that Jesus came as a seed. So what do they do? They killed Jesus, put him in the ground. The demons are dancing around. We killed him, we killed him, we killed him, we killed him. But notice, if they didn't know what was going to happen next, I can just see the devil going, my bad. No, what was it going to do? Praise God. All at once, Jesus was going to pay our price. Then the Holy Ghost was going to come raise him from the dead. And then he didn't only have one problem. He had 120 problems. And then 140. And now millions of people out there who can do the same thing. But the problem is nobody knows what they can do and they don't know the power that they have on the inside of them. So then we're not operating in that power. But let me tell you something. It is changing. I know it in my heart like never before that things are changing. We're finally starting to get a revelation of who we are and what we're going to do, and we're going to see bigger things than we ever thought we could sing. But he's got to do it with our imaginations first and get our mind set out to the trust, who we are and what we can do. So the devil was shocked, man. He thought he'd won. He thought he had the victory, but how many know he's a loser and always a loser? All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, and then he made a show of them openly. So he just didn't defeat him. He had to drag him around a little bit and show everybody how bad he was defeated. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, very important for you. Mark it, do it. This should be part of your prayer time. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, move the darkness, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, not yours, and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance is in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who do what? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his 
and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So what has the church been doing? Praying every day, God, please send your power. Send your power. Send it, send it, send it. Send revival. We need a revival, revival. We need a revival. We need a revival. Send your power. Send your power. Uh, go to church on Sunday. I'll get a little bit of power at least for a couple hours. No, we're still trying to get something that already belongs to us and is already on the inside of us at this time. And it's not just a little bit of power. It's the same power that raised Christ. How many of you think that might have been a little bit of power? I mean, he, he didn't heal Jesus' foot. He didn't take his backache away. He raised him from the dead, for God's sakes, with the power that was there. And notice, this power is not being kept from you. You don't have to beg God. God trying to shove it on you and get it to operate on the inside of you, praise God, that's already there. This power is to us, and this is a prayer, basically. People go around, I need the anointing. I always remember the story of that guy who was crawling through his house. I need the anointing, I need the anointing. Oh, God, I need the anointing. Ever heard people pray that way? My gosh, turn on the radio sometimes, I just feel bad. Because how are they going to know when they get it? Yeah. <laughs> Been praying 20 years to get the anointing. What, are you going to have a goose pump? Or is God going to appear and say, you now have the anointing? <laughs> See, that's so they spend their whole life. And then they teach people the same thing. So they get together at the prayer meeting saying, God, send your power. Give us your power. So this guy, he, he's evangelist. He's crawling around through the house. Oh, my gosh, I need the anointing. Look at the people. I need the anointing. And he crawls into the bathroom even. I need the anointing. And God cut in and said, hey. The toilet doesn't need a healing. Yeah. said, get out there where somebody needs the anointing. It'll start flowing out of the inside of you. And I'll tell you, when you understand the anointing, you get around somebody who is hungry for the anointing, you don't have to do anything. They just start sucking it right out of the inside of you, man. It just comes, and words come to you, and everything comes to you, and, and they want more, and they want more, and they want more. You've got somebody that don't want it, you'll know it immediately. Yes. And the best thing to do is bless them. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, you know, because they're not going to receive. Do you understand? There's got to be a receiver on the other end for that to happen. But there are people out there who's hurting very badly right now who are hungry for anything. They're hungry for peace or for joy or whatever's there. And that's why the anointing's on the inside of you, ready to flow out of the inside of you. Last week, you got worked up to a place where you wanted to receive. We said, anybody that wants prayer and before I could get come was already here. Well, how many know chances are if you've got that attitude coming, you're going to get something. I don't know what it is, but bless God, you're going to get something. You're going to get some joy. You're going to get a shaking. You're going to get something, and that's what it's all about, the ones you've got to push up there. And I'll tell you, God's so merciful. I've seen wives pull their husbands up. And she's standing here, and he's standing over here, and she's like this, and he's like this. And God still touched him. I'm saying, God, I wouldn't touch him. He don't want it anyway. Just leave him alone. If you don't want it, don't waste it. Come on. If you can go get with the program, just sit down someplace, praise God. That's what you feel like, you know. But when you understand that God could even break through somehow, some way to people that don't even want the thing, I mean, I mean, how many know Paul wasn't singing praises on his way when he got knocked down? He's just going to do his own work and almost bang, praise God. He's killing Christians. He's having a good day. But God stepped in there. So you never know. If they, if they even get pulled up by their wives and everybody else, you put hands on them anyway, praise God, or pray for them anyway, and see what happens. Glory to God. All right, one more. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. All right, another prayer you should have probably daily. Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse, let's start in verse 14. 
For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth, how many know you got family in heaven, yes. is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory that you be strengthened with might by his Spirit in your... Amen. So the Spirit's in your inner man, your inner man's in your inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in may be able to comprehend with all the saints of breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Now, here's, here's something you've got to understand. You, when it's revealed to you about the love of Christ, it will pass your thought life and your thinking because your mind has a million different things saying why he can't love you as much as he loves you. But when you get the revelation in here, it like vacuums out or blows out what's been up here for so long and takes over your thought life to a place where you know that he loves you no matter what, unconditionally. Say unconditionally. I'll tell you, so far, so far in the book, I've got more responses on that one chapter on love than I've got on every other one. Why? Because never, nobody ever understood what God kind of love was. You know, you love me, I'll love you. That's the way we do things around here. And then you tell them to love them even if they don't like you. And then they say, well, well that can't be love. And then they love you even when they hate you. That certainly isn't love. But that's what it's all about. And that chapter has touched people more, I think, than anybody else. Because they're understanding that I need to love people and just plain love them. And that's it, praise God. So notice, you'll get the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the of God. Now, how many know that's a mind blower? Yeah. I mean, I'd take 10% of God. I'd take 25%. But to be filled with all the fullness of God, how many know there might be a little power there? All right, look at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we or according to his power that works up in heaven and comes down whenever you call for it. No, that works where? In us. So notice, it's got a lot to do with what you ask and the only time you'll ask something is if you think it. You're not going to ask for things you don't think you're going to get. So you've got to think at first that it belongs to me, and then you can ask for it. But how many know, that, how many know your mind since you got born again have been changed? Yeah. I mean, back then you were just still trying not to go to hell for two months. And then you figured out you weren't going to hell. And now you found out the Spirit of God's on the inside. And now he's expanding continually through his Word of God of what you can do and what you can't do. And, you know, the first time I ever laid hands on anybody, I laid hands on somebody who's, who had a person up north who was a baby who had a hole in her heart. I was in a prayer line one time and we were doing prayers and all at once they wanted some other people because so many people came up from prayer. I'd never prayed for anybody before in my life. They put me up there and said, you're going to do it. And Vinny was there. And basically the first lady came up and I said, what can I do for you? She said, I got a granddaughter up north who's got a hole in her heart and she's only supposed to live two days. And I said, is there anybody here with a hangnail? A wart. See, I didn't want to start there. Do you understand? I didn't want to start there. I wanted to start work my way up, which would have been nice. But God had other things to do. So basically, they wanted prayer. So I just did what everybody else did. They usually keep their eyes open. I closed mine. I didn't even want to see what was happening. Closed my eyes. I started to reach it out there. And all at once, I heard, I thought, dear Lord Jesus. She fell on the ground. And I thought, my God, this thing's loaded. Put it back in the holster till I need it again. Then I'll bring it back out. But until that time, I don't need it. What was God doing? Once I acted, He was teaching me and training me and expanding me. I mean, if you start out with a baby's hole in the heart, it's going to die. It makes everything else look pretty. I got a crick in my neck. Oh, who cares? Come here. Get out of my way. I'm looking for something bigger, you know. I got a bad knee. Healed. Get out of here. There's some people back here really need something. Yeah. But how do you know everything's important to everybody? 
When the pain's in your body, it don't matter if it's your little finger or your thumb or whatever it is. It makes a difference to you, and it, it is a serious thing, praise God. But God wants to expand your mind to do it. It doesn't matter. And don't talk so much about what their issue is. Talk about what the answer to the issue is. Yes. And get them to believe it, praise God. Because there's power on the inside of each and every one of us here. It doesn't matter what age you are. don't matter how old you are. don't matter how young you are, praise God. It's already on the inside of you, but you have to use it. Say, I need to use, need to use. what's on the inside of me. I have decided I'm going to listen for that still small voice and whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. No matter how much that stupid mind of mine argues with it, I'm going to say, shut up, mind. I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost and do what he told me to do. And I'm going to start seeing results and then bigger results, then more results. Then devil, you're going to be sorry that I got up this morning because I'm going to tear your kingdom all the way down to the ground because I'm a kingdom person and I walk and live in the power of God. I jump up this morning. the kingdom of God and his righteousness